0: Welcome to the Wedding Obsessed Podcast, designed to help you plan your dream day. I'm your host, Adriana, and each week, I'm joined by the wedding industry's top professionals, celebs, influencers, and friends who share tips, trends, advice, and mistakes they've made so you don't have to. This is the Prenup Podcast. If you've already started planning your wedding, you've been introduced to the wonderful world of contracts, because if wedding planning wasn't stressful enough, let's throw in some legal jargon. Fortunately, today we have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Leah Weinberg, and not only is she an attorney, but she is also a recovering wedding planner, which if you are planning your wedding, you'll understand why recovering is the key word there, but she has over 10 years experience of wedding planning and now she helps vendors create contracts and protect themselves and how clients and vendors can work together to make sure that they're both being protected in the best ways possible. Whenever any of my friends are getting married, they always send me their contracts because I've seen so many of them. And if they just have basic questions, I of course can answer them. Venues can answer, vendors can answer, but, actually having an attorney present to read between those lines. There's a lot of language in contracts that sometimes seem like they're lengthy just for the sake of confusion. Lee has this innate ability to make something that should be so boring, frankly, actually really fun and interesting. She's an absolute pleasure to talk to. And in addition to being both a wedding planner and attorney. She's also a published author. She wrote the book, The Wedding Roller Coaster*, which I cannot recommend enough. I read it over the weekend and it was such a great read. I was raising my hands and just cheering along with so much of it because it really breaks down the psychology of planning your wedding. It's an awesome gift to anyone who's getting married, to yourself, anyone helping you plan your wedding, so you have a better way of understanding your feelings and emotions, and the pressures you're putting on yourself, in addition to prepping yourself to actually plan your wedding. I linked the wedding roller coaster below, as well as everywhere you can find Leah. She is awesome. All right, Leah, we are live. <laughs> so, thank you again for coming on. I'm really excited to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: So, can you just explain
1: who you are, what you do? Yes. I am telling everybody I'm now in my full circle moment of life because I started out as an attorney and then I started my own wedding planning company and then I shut down said wedding planning company and have now gone back to being an attorney. I launched a law firm with a friend of mine at the beginning of this
0: year. Fabulous. You're you're Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> you do it all. So out of curiosity, what is a more chaotic career? Wedding planning or oh. oh. law?
1: <laughs> uh, they're both definitely chaotic and have their moments. Um, I don't know. I feel like wedding planning takes it, though. Like, just <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's just, there's so much that can happen and so much at play that I think, yeah, that it wins.
0: And it's so nuanced too. Every event is so different. And I love that you have the experience in both because I think there is a misunderstanding about what couples should know or what they think they should know in terms of understanding their contracts or you know their liabilities. So I have some questions for you today, but what I want to start with is from the beginning, really. So when couples start planning their weddings, there is often a notion that I've noticed that they feel the need to really just negotiate to mm. a point where it sometimes feels like it's couple versus vendor or venue or whomever they're negotiating contract with. Now, I have a few opinions on negotiating price and terms, but I want to hear from you first. What are your thoughts on negotiating a either price or terms with your vendors?
1: This all stems from the fact that there is this myth, and I call it a myth because it doesn't actually exist, this whole wedding markup myth that just because it's a wedding, it's more expensive. People are like, oh, if you reach out to a transportation company and say it's like just a birthday party, that it's going to be less expensive than a wedding. Now, that may actually be true. However... Service the same services for a wedding are priced higher because (laughs) the stakes are higher. You're dealing with far more emotional clients. You will probably have at least three times the amount of correspondence when something is a wedding versus not. If you are working with a wedding planner, then this company, like, then this third party transportation company has to work with some random, like, person to them, basically. And so there really is just so much more work that goes into planning a wedding versus planning any other kind of event. So when people do charge differently for those services, it is 100% warranted. And also... It's not, ugh, I feel there's just like, it's part of society that we feel like we wanna get the best deal. We want, there's a fear of overpaying for something. And in weddings, just because the cost is so unknown, it's not documented, there's no standard. There is just that fear of of always overpaying for something. And I get that and I understand that. However, please don't expect your vendors to offer you a discount or negotiate their pricing. Their pricing is what it is. It comes with their experience, their knowledge, their like talent, all of that stuff. That is what you're paying for. So, make sure that you're picking a vendor whose pricing you appreciate and understand. Don't pick a vendor whose pricing you are just going to resent the whole time.
0: I love that you said the myth of the markup. That was something that was in your book. And when I read it, I was like, yes, I've been saying this forever. It's it's really just, at, to your point, if it is a higher price, I'll just give you an example. So I used to work at venues and I would have people come in and they would say, I'm having an anniversary party. And they, they wanted a different price. And they were so shocked because the venue that I worked at, at the time, it was the same package regardless so it it really didn't matter you were getting your major day and your captain and um, whatnot anyway but it is it should be priced differently because it's a completely different level of service there's so much more that goes into a wedding day than would go into even an anniversary party and you know unless you're doing a full ceremony and like the gown you're just recreating a wedding but there really is not another kind of event that compares to the wedding so absolutely yeah, it's it's just something that now I, I will say this. If you really admire someone's work, a vendor. So let's say, you know, you reach out to a photographer and, and you're just looking for pricing and they come back with 10 grand for 10 hours. I don't think that you should just say, Oh, no, never mind, you know, run away scared. You can let them know I reached out because I admire your work. In all honesty, it's it's out of my budget, you know if there's ever a time where you do offer discounts, I would be interested. This is kind of where I land just so they understand that you respect their pricing. This isn't, you know, an item that just goes on sale. This is people's time. It's, it's a service. So it's a lot, it's a lot different.
1: Yeah. And approaching somebody like that, I don't think clients realize how powerful that is because we're getting so many inquiries that are just like, How much do you, I'm getting married on this date. How much do you cost? Send me a description of your services. I literally was just having a conversation with a photographer last week who used to do a lot of proposals. Um, the vibe that I've gotten from photographers is that, is that proposals are very stressful to have to photograph. They can like, only imagine they're confusing. It's a lot of work. There's sometimes a lot of changing of plans, and so it is. This photographer was basically kind of coming to the conclusion that it wasn't super worth it for their business. However, they shared they're like, I got this email from somebody who's ready to propose, and his email was like, I followed you for like so long. I really love your work. I appreciate X, Y, and Z about you. And the photographer made an exception and decided to take on that project because the person came with just such an investment in the photographer as a person and their work and their artistry and all of that stuff. So how you are reaching out to people 100% matters.
0: It's just basic 101 of life. The (laughs) way that you treat people, they're going to treat you back. And people forget that with wedding planning because everyone loses their mind. They go so crazy another thing that you know kind of just goes along with what we were talking about is the expectations of your vendors so your wedding of course it's this magical day and lots of girls and boys daydream about this forever and sometimes they forget that they are hiring someone for a service Mm -hmm. and you know they are hiring them for what they contracted them for so this is something i joke about all the time but Your wedding planner is not your babysitter, your mother, your priest, your magician. Like they're being hired for a service. So your dog walker. Which I've done. (laughs) I I believe it. What's the what's the craziest thing that you've done for a couple? Oh.
1: I don't even know. Part of it I feel like is just the stuff that happened. In the background that the cl- my clients never knew about, like the day that the catering staff all quit and walked off the property because the owner was a jerk and the clients never knew.
0: How did you deal?
1: Fortunately, we had a staffing company that was run by a woman who was also a caterer. So she had some culinary, basically like the chef and his sous chef were left, and so the the staffing company, the woman who runs that, kind of stepped in. Had some other like the people who were the servers were helping to prep like vegetables and stuff. It was bananas.
0: Oh my! Did you ever tell the couple? No. Well, No,
1: they never knew because it's not, at the end of the day, it's not worth it. Like the caterer didn't, there have been times where a vendor has messed up and it resulted in subpar service that i felt like my clients should not have been paying for so there have been times where i asked for a refund of in this case other people stepped up sadly to fill in the gaps and the level of service wasn't subpar because of that and so i didn't feel like it was worth bringing up to them after the fact that like their caterer sucked um that caterer subsequently was like um blacklisted from a handful of venues because they were just a mess.
0: I should say, I should say, oh my gosh, what a nightmare. I, I don't know that this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to me, but it is the thing that always sticks in my mind. So I had a bride, speaking of menstrual cycle, get her period during ceremony. And fortunately, like there was a little bit on the inside, like we turned it inside out. We were able to get it out, but I had to go the only place that was still open was a Walmart like 10 minutes down the road and no one had another pair of panties and I was the one. I went and they got the panties. The stuff we do. <laughs> it's, it's always, there's always a story, right? Yes. Always a story. Yes. It's hilarious. So <laughs> I want to get, I want to stay on the topic of of vendors because yes. you're a real advocate of of vendors in general. And I think it's important to talk to someone like you who has stake in them. But I think anyone just as a blanket statement, anyone who is in the wedding industry in any capacity, it's of course you need to eat. You got to get paid. You want to be paid for your service, but it's really like not a profession that's about the money. If it was like I would go be an accountant, you know, not spend every weekend away from my family shooting, you know, 10 hour days and, you know, DJs and bands. It's, it's grueling and people do it because they, they love weddings and they love that career as well. Um, That's just a side note, but something that a vendor is not just what we were talking about, you know, you're not dog walker, you're not this or that. They're also not. Attorneys typically, unless they're you yeah, who is right. <laughs> you know a master of all. <laughs> so when it comes to contracts and understanding your contracts, how do you think that a couple should go about asking vendors about terms that maybe they don't understand? Yeah.
1: Let's just start off by saying that it is very important that you understand. What you're signing, and you understand the contract, and just know that, like, your vendor is not trying to pull a fast one on you, they're not trying to, they don't have any, there's like no negative intention here. And frankly, a more professionally, thoroughly drafted contract is going to ultimately protect both parties Mm -hmm. more than something that is like a one pager that doesn't really cover a lot of stuff. So what my advice is to folks that are getting married when they are reviewing contracts, if possible, have an attorney look at it. If you have an attorney friend, I feel like most people are probably going to have somebody within their circle, within their outer circle, somebody that they a friend of a friend, a friend's dad, somebody. I feel like there's always a friend's dad who's always an attorney reviewing stuff. <laughs> Ask them to take a look at it and just. and help you understand it. Because what I do tell vendors is that while we can, of course, field questions, if somebody doesn't understand something, we should not be the ones taking a client top to bottom through a contract, because then that's blurring the lines of like legal advice and giving counsel and all of this stuff and kind of conflict of interest. So I don't, I don't recommend that. So if you are somebody getting married who wants to understand your contract from top to bottom, you're going to need to talk to an attorney to do that. When it comes to negotiation, every vendor is different in terms of what they're kind of willing to do. I have definitely heard from some vendors who are like, I just don't make any changes to my contract, period, end of story. I know plenty of people who are open to reasonable comments and I know that basically any vendor that gets an enormous red line back is going to just tell you to take a hike politely, but they're going to tell you to take a hike.
0: Totally. So
1: Yeah. And so you also have to realize, I mean, I was a wedding planner for 10 years. I have seen every vendor's contracts and they're frankly not that great. And that is also now why I am an attorney trying to help wedding vendors like protect their businesses in a more professional manner. Yeah. And so the contracts aren't great. And so, yeah, you might be hiring somebody, there may be a lot of gaps and holes in the contract, but you have to know they're not going to rewrite their whole contract for you. You're one person. And so if this is not something that they're getting on a consistent basis enough where they want to change their contract, they're not going to rewrite the whole thing for you. So you're going to have a decision of am I comfortable moving forward with this person or am I just so uncomfortable that I don't want to move forward? I mean, there were plenty of times where as a planner, I always recommend different vendors. I had one of my favorite hair and makeup companies. They literally had a one-page contract that had a giant image on it. And so the text was probably half a page and my clients would be like, is this okay to sign? And I would have to just say like, You have to kind of make that decision, I said, but there's somebody I work with all the time. They are somebody that I trust, but you're just not going to get them to get you a better contract. And so at that point, it's a decision to be made of like what you, the risk you're willing to take or not. And obviously it depends on how that person you the
0: referral relationship to that
1: person if they've worked with somebody if your planner recommended them that all
0: is going to come into play in making that decision and especially when it comes to venues you're working with a salesperson they 100 should understand what is in the contract and they should be able to answer basic questions but they are not an attorney and they're definitely not your attorney and you have to have agency over yourself um on that that note just a question for you as an attorney generally what do you think about asking, like, a chat GPT these questions? Oh, to explain what things mean? Yeah. Like, as a first line mm. of defense. I mean, I feel like it's so new that it's kind of a little bit scary to really fully trust it. But yeah. maybe you don't have think,
1: something in like... I think Googling is fine. Yeah. I don't really trust. I, I am admittedly a very... I've always been a late adopter on, tech, not like, new technology stuff. Like... Throughout my entire life, yeah. um, and so GVD scares me. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't use it a ton. I've tried it, and it like my mind is blown in the stuff that I've seen that it can do. Um, so I, I don't necessarily want to point people in that direction, but I can say that like Google is probably going to be your friend if you don't have another resource and you're really presented with something you have no idea what it means. There are endless amounts of articles out there in terms of like what general contract provisions mean.
0: Amazing. Okay. That's really good to know. So another thing that I always hear people get confused about, and my brides always ask me questions about, is a force majeure clause, which yes. I could talk about all day, not just because it's my favorite phrase, but it's so fun to say. <laughs> it is so nuanced. So the last um, venue contract that I signed with a bride there was some things that stated in the force majeure, which really shocked me, that COVID would be covered under it, which I had never seen. Hmm. So that is not typical from what I've seen. But before we get into that, can you explain what a force majeure clause is for anyone who yes. doesn't know?
1: Yes. where Yeah. And there tends to be confusion. So force majeure, just the word itself, is defining certain types of acts and these are generally going to be like acts of god like weather things like that or government actions or things like COVID 19 where there's a pandemic and we're all stuck inside for a year and so force majeure is just a it's what we call a defined term in the contract so like a force majeure event your contract should your vendor's contract is going to define what a force majeure event is and it's going to be this whole laundry list of things what is important because force majeure definitions are pretty pretty much the same across the board again you can google and you're probably going to get the same definition each time what is going to be different is how your venue or vendor what their policy is surrounding a force majeure event so if you are if a hurricane comes through and the wedding can't happen that's most likely gonna be a force majeure event under your contract. But that you have to take it a step further and go, well then what happens?
0: And like, so a lot of the technical contracts don't state what yeah. will happen.
1: That's why people please <laughs> actually this is we're talking to clients. I don't have to do I don't have to get on my soapbox for vendors. We'll save that for another. <laughs> um But yes, it is 100% true. And as clients, this is actually something that's totally prudent to ask for clarification on. So if the contract just kind of defines a force majeure event, but doesn't go that extra step to talk about what happens if one occurs, then you, I do advise like that's something that should be in writing because depending on, honestly, sometimes even depending on the force majeure event. I think venues, it's probably going to differ mostly. Um, But depending on the type of vendor, if there's a force majeure event, they honestly might put the burden on you as the people getting married to bear the financial risk of that. And so that is something... That is something that is frankly fair. I do think clients are in a better position to protect against that, whereas vendors are less so. And we are also small businesses doing a bunch of these. And so if we were taking on that heavy risk for every single event, it's not going to make sense for us to stay in business. so yes, I do think it's fair that clients a lot of times bear the risk of what happens in a force majeure situation, but you absolutely need to understand what the policy is. Like let's focus less on the definition and more on like the venue or vendor's policy if a
0: force majeure event happens. Totally. Totally. And I guess that's more so what I what I was getting at because yeah. I I think that the terms aren't always clear and then yes. that just Really aids to the importance of a paper trail. Like, yep. if you are finding out what's going to happen in the event of an act of God, a state of emergency, a government shutdown, you need to know okay, well, how much of my deposits are you keeping? Are you moving my wedding date to yep. an equal or similar day? Are you just like saying, see ya? You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's. <laughs> It's important to know and before you sign that contract you need to know that you're okay with yeah. whatever comes after. You are assuming that liability.
1: Yeah, and there's a another piece to that conversation too is aside from a situation where the event itself can't happen because of a force majeure event, there are other hypotheticals where a force majeure event impacts your vendor and prevents them from being able to perform on the wedding day. So like Mm. let's say they had like really severe your DJ had really severe food poisoning and like couldn't get out of bed and couldn't come to your wedding. Like in the event, I always tell and this is something I make sure that my vendors have in their contracts now is like if I leave you high and dry, like just know your vendors are going to do everything under the sun to find somebody to take their place. Like they are not just gonna be like, oh I'm sick, I'm not showing up. Like that's bad for business that's like just out of and like not in integrity and so people are going to try to find a substitute in that rare event where they just absolutely cannot find somebody if they leave you high and dry on your wedding day it is very helpful if your contract says what happens in that situation and in general i advise my clients to just say you're getting all of your money back because i didn't perform I'm, I, I left you high and dry on your wedding day. And it's interesting because when I talk to vendors about it, I initially get this pushback of like, well, why am I giving them all their money back? And I'm like, you literally left them without a DJ on their wedding day or without a photographer or a planner. Like you it's kind, kind of important. Have, it's kind of important and it's kind of a fair thing to do. And so like I advocate for a lot of fairness in the contracts that I draft, like obviously they're going to be a little vendor friendly, but overall there needs to be fairness
0: especially with something significant like that and it you know it it helps everyone when it's fair because yes. you know it's the integrity of your business people trust you 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 want to build that trust with people as vendors and you want to be a respectable client as well like you are working together that's yeah. the important thing no one is trying to like screw each other. Like you're right. all the same team. We're all getting yep. to the same goal, get you married in the best yep. way possible in the way you want exactly. it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I want to add that if somebody's contract is a little bit lengthier because it has all of these things in it, again, that's going to be good for you.
0: Yeah. So don't yeah. be
1: scared. Don't be scared by something that's long.
0: Don't be scared. You just need to, you know, have, have dad's friend or friend's exactly. or, <laughs> or <laughs> you or whoever, you know, really fine-tooth comb um when it comes to event insurance, mm. is there anything on, you know, the couples end that you really recommend um looping into that policy? I mean, first of all, get it. <laughs> Get event cancellation insurance.
1: I think it's probably helpful for if folks that are listening don't know, there's kind of two types of insurance that comes up for clients in the context of weddings. First is general liability insurance. And that's usually something that Usually is mostly, if you're going to get it, it's usually required by the venue. And that's just extra coverage for if something happens at the wedding and like there's damage to the property, you're not coming out of pocket. You have an insurance policy to fall back on. Mm -hmm. But then there's also event cancellation insurance, which obviously became the talk of the town after COVID. And so fun fact, one of my one, only one of my clients who had weddings booked for 2020 and 2021 took my advice and got event cancellation insurance. They purchased it in December of 2019. They decided they wanted to cancel their wedding. They got every penny back.
0: Oh my gosh. And pretty
1: quickly, it was a fairly simple process. these days. I know these, and I've all never the seen other... it
0: come to life. I, you know, I exactly I, people get it, but I've never actually like yes. heard a scenario of someone. Getting yes.
1: <laughs> and so it's still really valuable. It does not, it's not going to cover COVID. So if somebody who, if one of the people getting married or like an immediate family member VIP is sick and you decide you want to like postpone or cancel the wedding, it's not going to cover you for that. Um And similarly, I don't know how they would, I don't think it's, Applicable anymore, but like in a lot of cases, if vendors went out of business because of COVID and like couldn't refund your money, they weren't covering that. But in general, it is covering things like all of these bananas weather events that could possibly happen. I mean, California had a hurricane and an earthquake in the same day, folks. Like all bets are off with my nature, right? Anything could
0: happen. Anything. We were, I was just talking with um Sarah Marlis of a Honey Fund about the wildfires like
1: yeah there is
0: and it's it's terrifying and it's heartbreaking and when you are planning your wedding you just don't fathom it when you're excited about anything you know you just don't imagine that this thing that you have on a pedestal is going to be wrecked by anything but really you know it's it's dark and it's not the things that we used to talking about and because it's Uh, not and fluffy and wedding but it's reality unfortunately
1: yeah so if there's a weather event um if one of the people getting married gets sick if there's like an illness amongst like the immediate family members i believe it covers that um there's things to add on in terms of like you said like you can cover a tire that gets damaged you can cover stolen like if gifts get lost um so if a vendor does go out of business i think in certain circumstances i'm not 100 sure of how they're defining that these days but like if somebody if the venue shuts down and runs away with your money like it might be something you can recover from event insurance and sure. so it's based on your total spend for the like it's proportionate to your total spend on the wedding in terms of how much it costs. But I feel like my clients who have gotten it, it's been less than a thousand dollars to like cover their hundred, hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty thousand dollar wedding. So like what's that piece of what is that piece of mind worth to you is the question
0: you should be asking. If you are willing to spend, you know, another Three to six thousand on an elaborate seating chart. Like, exactly. Get
1: get that get insurance. Get the event insurance. I'll do love the Swearing out, but like get the event get
0: insurance. Insurance.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say get the GD event insurance.
0: My trashy ass just goes right to the F word.
1: Well, I was keeping. I usually what I was trying to keep it a little tame for podcast purposes. <laughs>
0: So what about and this is going to be you know I'm going I'm going really dark here so I'm sorry but I just I kind of want to cover all of these bases yeah so in the event that God forbid you know someone leaves your wedding and they are in an accident or they get sick are there clear terms generally about who assumes liability for that oh it's going to
1: really get into specifics about like. What it was and what happened and all mm-hmm. of that
0: stuff. Because, like, if someone it was, was like maybe overserved, and then that's going to come accident. back.
1: That's going to come back to whoever was providing the bar service. Okay. Um, not to say that, like, so this is the other thing I've been. Now that I'm back in the legal game, the thing that I've been seeing, like, people are just like suing everybody and seeing what sticks. So, yes. like, even if in theory the liability is going to be on the people who are running the bar they might try to sue you as the client too. Yeah. Um, and so like, it's just so ma- it's just so many unknowns. And actually now that we're talking about it, I kind of think that general liability insurance is a good idea. It's even cheaper than the cancellation insurance and you get like a million, $2 million in coverage. I frankly, now that I've talked myself into that that <laughs> is also going to be valuable for people to get. You've
0: you talked me into it too. <laughs> and just because we're talking about, you know, suing. I mean, I pray that, these days are really behind us but if something like a COVID 19 were to happen again i it broke my heart to see how many couples you know try to go after their money mm. against their venue or their vendors i i never saw a couple get that money back because they really the terms are clear in the contract and just right. goes like back to that point you really need to understand what you're writing and anything could happen, anything unprecedented, but like the contracts are in that way for a reason because anything can happen. So yeah, it's, yeah. And again,
1: it's, I think it is helpful just to reiterate that it's important to just remember in terms of the relationship that your vendors for the most part, are a lot of them are going to be like solopreneurs, small business owners, like one person shop type of thing. And they're doing you know, so many events per year that if they were, if they had to bear the risk of all of this stuff, if they had to bear the risk of something like COVID happening again, and then giving everybody their deposits back, they would be absolutely out of business. They'd probably file for bankruptcy. So like, you just kind of have to understand that like, that's why the risk is allocated the way it is, is because if it wasn't, small business owners would never do it.
0: Your wedding vendors
1: would never agree to do what they're doing.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I I want to make sure I get to all my questions, so I'm gonna fly through a couple of <laughs> things. But in your experience, are there any red flags that you've seen as a planner or on the other end that you're just like, I wouldn't sign this. I would never, mm-hmm. I would never do that.
1: Yes, I and this is something all my vendors know that I'm not like giving away the farm because I whenever I, sp- I do whenever I do public speaking, this is usually something that I. I talk about, somewhere someone drafted a clause that says, "Vend like insert blank, insert vendor. Vendor can terminate this agreement for any reason at any time and the deposit is non-refundable. And I have pushed back on people, like so just to break that down for those listening because sometimes it's not written in front of you. So the gist of that statement essentially gives your vendor the right to sign a contract with you the next day, terminate it and keep the money that you've paid them. Um, It also allows them to like terminate the day before your wedding, leave you high and dry and keep all the money that that you have paid them. And so this whole free termination right thing is something that I talk about a lot with vendors. So like that is absolutely something that you as a client have a right to push back on and say that you are not comfortable and with. And like, honestly, that would be a deal breaker. Now the vendor is probably gonna say, oh, we would never do that. And my response is always, cause I would sometimes have to negotiate on behalf of my clients when I was a wedding planner, my response was, but you have the right to do it and that is scary enough. Um, And so that is like a big thing to look out for. There shouldn't be free termination rights you and you the client shouldn't have the right to terminate without cause either like i believe that goes both ways we should o- we we are entering into this contract a contract is a contract it should be honored you have to realize what you're signing and what you're committing to and so you should only be able to get out of it if there is some kind of breach of contract love it love it
0: okay that's <laughs> super helpful yeah no one signed that that is Insane. How would you reword that if someone was going to say, like, we need this either stricken or, you know, we, we have to have it changed?
1: I would say, I would have them add in language about like termination for cause. Okay. That like, if the, if vendor has to, if vendor terminates for cause, maybe they get to keep the deposit. But also likewise, if the client is terminating for cause, they're getting a refund.
0: Wonderful. Okay. Perfect. All right. So I am going to get into a little game and you know, it's, it's less about legal stuff, but just in your experience, you yes. know, I'm curious to hear your opinion. So these are some controversial wedding topics okay. and I want to know if it's an, I do or an I don't. Okay. okay. Cause I love a cheesy game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A cash bar. Is it a hard? I, I, I don't.
1: Do? That's a hard. I don't. <laughs>
0: Agreed. What about a cocktail style menu?
1: From a wedding planner's perspective, I don't.
0: Okay. Okay. How about mixed bachelor bachelorette parties? I do. I can get behind that. Okay. Okay. What about first look?
1: I definitely do.
0: (laughs) From a planner's perspective, yes. (laughs) You must. (laughs) Yes. Um how about the concept of being given away?
1: I think we need we Okay, in that exact in that exact context I don't. Yeah. I do support the having somebody meaningful
0: walk you down the aisle though. I do too. Yeah. I think that's special, but you know, I mean, I had moved out like <laughs> seven years before yeah. I got married. So no one was no one was giving me away. They were no. they were happy to, to yes. see me go. <laughs> <laughs> um how about changing your name, your last name?
1: This might be controversial. I definitely don't.
0: Okay. Okay. Why?
1: So if you look up if you look up the like actual etiquette behind the changing of your name for a woman to become mrs let's say smith it is an being a mrs smith indicates that you belong to mr smith
0: for us mm-hmm.
1: i don't love that i don't care for that but everybody not bit, you know but like i'm not i'm not crapping on anybody's choices it is a personal decision of but course like, for me i feel very strongly also as people yeah. are getting married later in life like i mean my i got married i was what 30 31 at the time like I'd had a like eight-year career as an attorney at that point like yes. I was established I hadn't like my name is my name and also like his culturally being Jewish and things like that like it was important to maintain my name
0: so yeah definitely a lot of Hispanic cultures too will do like the fusion of the name which mm-hmm. I think is nice yeah. you know if you'd want to keep like a family name but yeah I'm gonna make my husband listen to this because I I socially am going by his last name, and it's a lovely name, but I have not legally changed mine. Yeah. Not for any reason other than pure laziness, but... Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, in yeah. my
1: book that this is actually a conversation to have with each other before you get married, because there can be a lot of strong feelings about, about it one way or the other that you may not have anticipated
0: from the other person. Yeah. Um. So I was shocked that he definitely. wanted me to change. We did talk about it before we got married, but yeah. I was like, what? Cause it just didn't seem in line with any of his other yeah. core yeah. values. Yeah. Um, but it was really important to him and you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, but you know, yeah. I'm gonna drag my feet about it. It's been two years. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jake. <laughs> All right, Lee. And before I let you go, I just do like a fun little after party with everyone. So there's just these these four questions. Question number one: What is your top honeymoon recommendation?
1: I mean, my husband and I went to Bora Bora, and I. <laughs> Feel like that's kind of like honeymoon goals so i'm gonna have to go with that
0: what is honeymoon goals <laughs> how long did you go
1: for 10 days it was the first time in my entire life that i had like gone with that like i was radio silent i did not take it was still in the admittedly this dates me it was still in the blackberry days days and so like i didn't take my blackberry for work with me and it was like you rebel yeah i know it was like
0: i, love... <laughs> I love it I lo- oh that was probably gorgeous what is your dream wedding cake flavor?
1: Fun Funfetti. Again, that was my personal, my wedding cake flavor. Was that
0: your wedding cake? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It's the best. It just, it tastes better than the rest. It really does. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. What is one song that you have to hear at a wedding? Footloose. And fun fact,
1: I am still in search of some venue that would let me like recreate the end scene of Footloose with all the like <laughs> glitter and everything. And like literally there is no venue on the planet that's going to let me do that.
0: It would never come out. Would never if
1: come anybody out. has a lead
0: that's listening, <laughs> oh, send it my way. That is hilarious. And wow. Yeah. You can't hear Footloose not be up on oh, your feet. Yeah, it's my. Dancing mm-hmm. like Kevin Bacon. Yep. Gorgeous. Okay. And then number four, what is one piece of advice that you would give any couple planning a wedding? Ooh, buy my book. <laughs> I agree. It's
1: called The Wedding Roller Coaster. It's available on Amazon. Um, but just to like quick, you know, shameless plug aside, please I wrote this book because there is not a lot of information or resources out there about the emotional side of wedding planning. There's so much on the how tos and when to, how to, how to pick your colors, how to invite your wedding party, how, when do you send your invites and save the dates, all that stuff. There's so much written about that, but there's nobody talking about like how stressful it is to plan a wedding. What are the hard conversations you need to have before you get married? How are you, what's your mindset for your wedding day? How are you framing your expectations? And so, yeah, the wedding roller coasters are really great resource to kind of prep people for what they're going to experience
0: along the, the wedding planning journey. It really is. And it's it's an easy and meaningful read. I read it in a weekend. I just kind of devoured it and it's delicious. And I highlighted and you know, it's something you can kind of go back to through your planning also if you're like feeling overwhelmed about something or you just kind of want clarity on it. But through everything I was like, yes, 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 everything. <laughs> it, was, it was such a great, great book. Thank I'll link you. that below as well as everywhere everyone can find you. Amazing. Um, Leah, thank you so much for joining me. This was really informative and super, super helpful.
1: Yeah. And also just as a follow-up for anybody that's listening, if they have follow-up questions, like I am happy to have conversations about this and like, let you all know. And like education is just something that I believe in. And so helping clients understand is also going to help benefit vendors at the end of the day. So any questions,
0: please don't hesitate to reach out amazing. Thank you so much, Leah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. Please like, review, rate, subscribe, follow, whatever the things are. It's really, really helpful. If you do support us, there's something in it for you too. You'll have the opportunity to win a free prenup bridal prep planner. We give one away every month. I have the directions on how to do that below, so make sure you check that out. Thank you again for listening. Happy planning. See you next Wednesday.